says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to a special edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And joining me for this special edition is my good mate, 60s. Big weekend for us, fella, uh, big fella. How'd you hold up after all of it? Mate, I was really over the moon with the weekend. It just uh, went past. We had a great win in the NRL. Uh, an absolutely brilliant annual players reunion that we were able to be involved with in a in a capacity of just uh being there and and grabbing a few photos and a a bit of a chat and you know i was just buzzing after the weekend it was it was really good to be an eel supporter yeah thankfully for the tip sheet we've become in a privileged position where it's not uncommon to share the microphone with some of the former greats of our club but it's not often we get to share the room with 150 of them and uh, the blue and gold alliance luncheon that was held prior to the kickoff of the nrlw uh, sort of ran alongside the New South Wales Cup on the weekend. That was something special. Yeah, it was. And and just to give people an idea what they're about to listen to, uh, we were invited to be uh, a part of the Blue and Gold Alliance Players Reunion there to grab uh, – well, John got around, took a few photos. Uh, we had a bit of a chat with some players That's just to get their – uh, just quick chats, not the in-depth chat that you normally get with us when we're talking to a former legend, but really just to get a few grabs from these players, get their takes on being part of the Parramatta Reels family and uh, what it's like to catch up with others on re- dates like reunions. So um, that's what you're about to listen to, and hopefully you enjoy it. Yeah, and usually there's some sort of loose structure to our tip sheet podcast, but for this event... We were just literally there just, you know, taking it all in and just chatting with anyone that would give us some time. So there's no real, you know, sequential structure here. We just had a chance to catch up with some former greats, some interesting record holders for the Parramatta Reels and some great personalities all around. Yes, uh, just, to, just to give people an idea, we'd um, have some players come over, just wandered over, said g'day. We'd have some players brought over, uh, being introduced to us. And if... If that was the circumstance, we'd just say, hey, can you have a chat with us for three or four minutes? And that's basically what ended up happening. Uh, There was a couple there that we went and grabbed specifically for a chat. But apart from that, it was was just there being part of the function and, and trying to grab a chat with players without intruding on their day. So we're really grateful to those that took the time to have a bit of a chat with us and some really worthwhile and interesting insights that they provided for us. And just a sort of for apology, uh, we mentioned that there was 150 people there. There was a PA system problem, so they were testing that out while we are recording. So if there is any background noise, we do apologise in advance, but hopefully the uh, sort of just interesting conversations that we had make up for it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, without further ado, mate, and oh, and a, a little bit of a standby for people, we do get to speak with the great Ray Price, and that was pretty much how we wrapped up the day. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, stick with it, and uh, you'll get to hear a few words from Pricey. Well, John, we're uh, kicking the day off with today's MC. It's player number 460, David Perry. Thanks for uh, joining us today. You're welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. 
and it's going to be a good roll-up. I believe there's, what, about 119, 120 people that are coming today. I've been told there's 150, which is a full house in this room, so we're very pleased to have, have that many. Hopefully we get that many. That's fantastic. It's good to see uh, great setup here. We're, we've taken a few photos. We've got all the scarves out. It really looks like a, 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 a great Parramatta room today. Um, so how's, how's today going to run? You're the MC for today? Yeah, look, I, I, I won't have a big role in today. Hopefully we just get a couple of speeches out of the way early and let the players uh, enjoy their day. They've, uh, they're starting to roll up now. I see a couple of faces there that are very familiar to the... Um, the old faithful Parramatta fans, and um, it, it's it's really it's really a good function to put on. The, the the leagues club and the football club are putting this on for the for the old players, and we shouldn't call ourselves old players because <laughs> we, we had that discussion <laughs> recently. Yeah, we know it's a especially you know, moving forward is going to be a point of uh, contention. I think is probably the way they're phrasing it. We used to call ourselves the old boys, but we've um, we've had to. Uh, steer away from that term, I, I guess, and we've 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 come up with the Blue and Gold Alliance, which I, I think sounds a lot more appropriate to um, old football players. Well, I was talking to some of the NRLW players at training the other night, and I said, you know, when it when it comes your time that your former players, I gather that old girls is going to stand up too well. Old girls doesn't sound real good, does it? They don't, they don't like that. They don't like that one little bit, no. no. Now, uh, just a couple of interesting facts about yourself, mate. Uh, one first grade game. One first grade game against uh, Canberra it's at the old Seaford Oval, which, uh, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I hadn't seen the game for 30 years and, and, and someone dragged it out of the archives the other day and sent it to me and um, it was most interesting. I, I, I didn't play that well but I, I got on the field and I, I had a go and it, it, was, it was quite interesting to, um, to, to see again. Um, uh, th- th- there, was, there was a number of players in the Canberra team that really stood out in that year, like Kevy Walters played for them. And oh, some chump called Kevy yeah, Walters. Some, <laughs> some mug. Uh, Gary Belcher. You know, these, these are the sort of guys that I, I, uh, I debuted against. And um, in, in fact, Canberra won the co- uh, made the grand final that year. They That's played right, Manly yeah. in the grand final. And we, we beat them on Seaford Oval, which is uh, uh, that particular day. We won 20 points to four. Uh, which was a, a big achievement. If, if you remember back in 87, it was just after uh, Cronin and uh, Price retired and, and we, we were going through a bit of a transition stage. Uh, hence, I got an opportunity on the field and I, um, you know, that particular... But, but, but it was a really good win for us, that particular one. And one and only. So I'm one from one in first grade, and I'm rather proud of that. And can we get you for a comeback today, maybe? <laughs> no chance. Have a look at me. Now, <laughs> making first grade is no small feat, even if you're trying to sell yourself short. But you own a very unique slice of Parramatta history. I played in the first ever game on on the what was the new Parramatta Stadium in 1986, and I, I kicked the first ever goal on uh, on that on that day we played St George and uh, obviously everyone remembers the first grade game it was um, uh, Steve Sharp coming in for the first try and and the the first grade team won very comfortably that particular day Uh, but I played in the under 23s that particular day and we had a draw against St George so so, uh, uh, and in fact the the first try scorer on that day is a guy called Steve Karate and he'll actually be here today as well so I've uh, th- that's an interesting fact for him too. Yeah. It's very, he, he's, he's happy with that as well. Great, great memories here. The opening of Parramatta Stadium and um, uh, the Crow didn't play that day, but he, he was uh, he was out there in the middle of the field. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Did he do the unofficial kickoff? He the, did the yeah. unofficial kickoff. Yes. 
Yeah, yes, so, he did. And now, mate, it's a, a big day ahead. We'll let you get back to organising your uh, MC duties. Thank you for joining us today. Not a problem. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the day. Thanks, guys. Much appreciated. Cheers, catch man. you around. We'll catch you around, mate. And we're now having a chat with player 342, grand final try scorer in Parramatta's first ever premiership win, player 342 for the Eels, Graham Atkins. Graham, g'day. Thanks for having me along. And, uh, look, that's got to be... Is it, is it the highlight of the career, not only winning the... A premiership, Parramatta's first ever title, but being a try scorer in that match, I, I would probably say, um, for me, the highlight. I, I played for thirteen years and eleven at Para. I think the highlight for me was in the first year getting a Parramatta jersey at the end of the year, and for me, that was the goal I wanted. That you know that that is a fantastic take yeah, on that. That is a really good response. Yeah, because. Um, Peter Wynn, um, he, he said famously um, to, I think it was to the Parramatta players when he was um, uh, recently, well, when I say recently, the last few years, and he was addressing a group of them, and he said he doesn't believe in um, saying play every game like it's your last. It's like play every game like it's your first, like you've got that excitement about actually being a first-grade footballer. So would you say that's a, 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 a fair statement? Oh, look, I, I think um, it changes. You know, I'd always aspire to be able to, to wear a blue and gold. And, that, you know, we're just fortunate to be in the right place at the right time um, with the right group of mates to go go out in the field and, and represent um, the, the district and that. And for us, we played for each other. And we play for the fans. And for us, that was the most important part of the game. Boy, I bet that's resonating with yeah. any fans that are yeah, listening that, right that now, is. playing for the fans, because uh, I know there are players that are out there and that's still important to them, but, you know, you sometimes wonder whether it's important to every player that's out there, you mm-hmm. know, because it's it really it's become... Because it's become a career rather yeah, than the, maybe the code's a professional, passion. You know, there's... Sometimes you lose something in the translation, you know, with that. But yeah, very, yeah. very strong words. Well, it's funny. You know, like I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still mates, you know, from 40 years ago, and we, we talk to each other every week. And I know the old Cumberland Oval. Um, after the first grade game, we couldn't wait to get in the showers, have a shower, then get over the club, and and be with the fans. We we wouldn't eat. We just enjoy the company of the supporters and all that. And that's. You know, that, that's why I would probably not hesitate to say that probably the, the fans of the Parramatta are probably the best anywhere in the world. You know, again, that resonates uh, with me because back in, in that era that you're talking about, the club, Parramatta Leagues Club, used to put on a, a, um, a couple of players in the dining room who would move around from table to table for the people that had booked in there to have a chat with the people and it was you know getting your booking for that any week was was always tough but we managed to get a few bookings in there so I have great memories of of meeting players back then so um, yeah great memory and of course we're here on location at Jack's Bar and Grill for what's shaping up to be a superb players reunion for the Bull and Gold Lions we happened to be here last week in the post game to the loss to South Sydney where we had Brett Kenny sitting down with us to chat about football and obviously the game that happened your name actually came up in, in regards to a Jack Gibson story that we were asked to, to prompt Brett for. 
and it was funny because involved uh, Lids, Dave Lydiard, who um, turned up the training a little bit too late for Jack's liking, and he told him to go grab the young lad Atkins, and while he's over there, introduce himself to the coach. <laughs> yeah, he, he certainly had a way with words, Jack. Um, like I remember, um, I went to East one year, I got cut from the club, and then... Um, Went and spent two years at East, and then the very first game I was playing for East against Parramatta at the sports ground, um, we I was putting a sentence to Mark Crow. Um, and, um, yeah, I'll never forget, after the game, we, we just got beaten. I went in the dressing sheds. I was ready, getting ready to have a shower, and next thing, the whole dressing shed went quiet. The East dressing shed, Jack walked in. He walked straight up to me, shook my hand and said, great game, Graham," and walked out. And, you know, that, that says a lot for the man, mm-hmm. um, that, that he was a professional. Um, but he, he called it as he saw it, and that's why he was such a, a great coach. We're in an era of several all-time great coaches, Craig Bellamy, Wayne Bennett, Trent Robinson, all had incredible success, Des Hazel too. But it's hard to imagine a coach with that kind of gravitas and I suppose that's why Jack's legend still grows even to this day. Yeah, he, he, he had an air of him, around him, and he, like I said, he called it as he saw it. And, you know, and, and one of the things that, that I still respect him, and, and you know, even though he did that, he, he would you know, still be a friend. Um, but once again, I think what you said, there, today money is more important than um, you know, alliance to a club. Now, your nickname, Brains, did that come about because of your studies and being a teacher? Um, when I started, um, it actually it, um, it came from a good mate of mine, Jeff Gerard. When I arrived, um, I was going to university and couldn't go on trips away or certain things that I couldn't do because I had uni. And Jeffro called me Brains, and that's <laughs> stayed a lot. It, it is. Um, but once again, um, you know, I'm proud of it, and mm. and you know, it was just something we did. We, you know, I had to get up Monday morning, go to uni. They went, it, got up Monday morning, and went to work. There's no difference. I mean, in many ways, you're ahead of the curve too, because tertiary education is a big focus now in the game, so that you have a pathway post playing career. Look, I, I would. I've been talking to friends just recently about that. Um, I I believe that a number of the sad incidents that have happened in rugby league players over the, the last year or two have a lot to do with that, where once football is finished, what, what avenues do they have? And I really have a, a, a firm belief that the, the clubs should be taking better care of the, to ensure that their players are cared for once they finish football. So that was a big point of emphasis when we sat down with Bill Richards uh, as far as what he's pursuing in his post-career academic studies. So, yeah, very, very important issue, mate. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, like we, you know, we are looking out here at, at friends that are still fr- mates. They're, they're still working in, in good jobs. When a player, if, you know, if break a leg or something, their career's finished, what do they then do? Mm-hmm. Now, you're... Um your son is one of the leading referees in the NRL. Um, he's not always the favourite referee of, um, of Parramatta Sporters, but you must be proud of his achievements in rugby league. Oh, look, I'm, you know, it's, 
you know, he is uh, qualified, he's got a master's degree. Once again, he <laughs> follows through. He's got something that he can do once he mm-hmm. finishes football. I'm biased. Um, I think he is the best referee in the competition. Um, but I, can, I can't watch him referee. <laughs> I, I, that, that is actually a very relatable thing for a parent, isn't it? Like I, you can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, and like I said, it's very, very proud of him. But I, I don't like hearing the criticism yeah. of yeah. him. Mm-hmm. And being a referee, you're on a hiding to nothing. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, as much as we as fans grumble about them, you have to respect and appreciate that the game does not exist without their efforts. And rugby league, we say it all the time, it's one of the most difficult games to adjudicate because it's so fast. And, oh, it is, yeah. And I've got, uh, and, and again, even though we have moments of criticism, I can't compare the referees of yesteryear to the referees of today because I think the referees of today... Are streets ahead of the referees of yesteryear. With more from, scrutiny. Yeah, they're under such scrutiny. They are incredibly fit. They're athletes in their own right. Um, and, you know, I, we wouldn't have some of the, the great games that we, we have without, um, you know, what is for the most part um, terrific officiating. Oh, look, I, I look at um, as some of the, the athleticism of the players nowadays. Um, I also, I, I know for Grant, he, he trains four or five times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to do that to be able to keep up with the yeah. play. Yeah. And, like, if, if, if technology can give a correct decision, so be it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and just to what you say, I've, I've seen a lot of the referees um, doing the conditioning work with the NRL teams when they turn up in pre-season. To, uh, to officiate uh, opposed sessions. And apart from, say, some of the um, fatigue stuff that the players might do, like their, um, uh, the Malcolms, they're hitting the ground and getting up, that sort of thing, they're up there with uh, competing from a condition perspective mm-hmm. with all the NRL players. So they do a fantastic job in that regard. Well, yeah, I look at Grant. Um, I was probably not one of the most elite trainers actually I was pretty lazy but anyhow um, yeah, road runs I, I couldn't do but, but I think I look at how much training Grant does and I absolutely admire him I admire the players for their conditioning that they have but then again I suppose if it's a full time job that's right if you're getting paid that sort of money yeah. you train that hard exactly yeah. so yeah. finally we're at a, at a reunion where we're where we're um, looking at all these former players uh, that have uh, played with the Eels and it's before a game the Eels have now not won a title since 1986 it's actually a very small elite number of players who've played for Parramatta who actually can say that they're premiership winners do you, do you ever stop and reflect on that like there's it's such a small number of Parramatta players that can say they've won a, a title with the club um, look, like I remember my dad used to bring me to watch Ken Thornett at the, at the old Cumberland Oval and, you know, he was my hero. Um, and this is going to sound funny, there's another fellow who can't make it today, Bobby O'Reilly, was my hero as well. And to be able to play with him. Um, but once again, I think, yeah, the, the, the premierships were important, but I think what we're seeing today, the mateship and the friendship that we still have, 
um, with each other and, and the supporters are important. Like, we, we won that grand final for the supporters of Parramatta, not for ourselves. And that must give you tremendous memories as well, like the scenes at the ground, the scenes here at the club. Well, you don't you won't get night. it these days, won't you? Oh, those, those memories are living... They'll live in my mind forever. Uh, you know, like, just the that moment... At, at, you know, seeing you because I was up on the hill and watching you from like we're watching from behind as you're running away down for the try and we're jumping up and down because we know what this can you know was going to mean the game wasn't over but we knew what it was going to mean um, and then the scenes back here I didn't pay for a drink all night I'll give you the tip <laughs> like I was walking around with an empty glass and supporters were just with jugs were just filling it up as I'm walking around it was uh, it was a night to remember and in some ways not remember as well <laughs> oh look it was no, I remember the front front of the club you couldn't walk up and down the streets I remember the the game and it's amazing how fast you run when you're scared <laughs> um, but, but I think coming back and sitting on top of the bus and just next to Sturlo and just drinking jugs and just looking at the crowd that's that made you know that that will that's etched into my memory and yeah you know, to be able to come back in here seeing people in the um, the elevators holding the door open because there wasn't enough room in the club to drink. And, you know, for us to be able to do that for the people, that's what we wanted. Well, I think that's a brilliant note to end this on. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the day, Graham, and uh, thank you for spending some time with us. No problem at all. Thanks, mate. Thanks. So, John, we've got another couple of guests with us. A couple of fellas that hold some records in terms of the old <laughs> Parramatta Stadium. So we're pleased to have Steve Karate and Tim Barnes with us right now. Uh, first of all, Steve. Yeah, mate. How are you? Nice good, mate. Here. Good. So we, we were just uh, we were just having a, uh, a bit of a chat about uh, the firsts at the stadium. Yep, Can you sharp. share with our listeners your first? Yes. Uh, well, I was lucky enough to fall over the line uh, <laughs> on the uh, first game there against St George in 1986. Yep, yep. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I'll never forget it. it. Was just like yesterday, mate. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, young David Rolls threw me a pass that I, that I just couldn't help but fall over the line. <laughs> and uh, if I remember correctly, like during the week before, we knew we were the first team on the field. Yep. Um, this is the under twenty three. Under twenty threes back in the day. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Bertie Bass was our coach, and uh, yeah, I'll never forget the stadium was already filled, which you know it used to be only sort of half filled for the. For the 23s that day. Obviously a pretty big occasion. Mate, and, uh, you know, I remember saying in the morning to uh, to my mum, I said, mate, I'm going to pick up the first try today. <laughs> and, uh, God bless her. Uh, you yeah. know, the thing is, players normally start to extend how many, how far they ran for yeah. the try. You're, you're yep. saying you fell over the I, line. I, I literally fell over the line, but, mate, it's the best try I ever scored, so I'll never forget it. But I got Barnsley by about an hour and a half, mate, so... <laughs> yes, yeah. speaking and of... We, and we, uh, we've got Tim Barnes, who... Uh, uh, Tim, can you tell us uh, your story from that day? Oh, well, uh, it, was a, it was a fantastic day. We... Um, it was, for us, it was as big as a grand final. I remember saying um, to Peter Louis, our coach, after the game, we were so pumped up for that game. Uh, you know, the eyes were rolling back in our heads. We were just so focused on that game. Were, and St George were a really, really good team, and we, we knew we were up against it. And But we just had our footy heads on, 
and there was no way we were going to lose that day. It was, uh, oh, it, it was just a really inspirational day to, for, the, for the whole club to finally get out there and play in, in front of the Parramatta fans on that day and we uh, wanted to do them proud, that's for sure. And of course those are the days that um, lower grade players don't get to experience these days. I mean you've got, for a start, you've got the under 20s are often shuffled off to um, Park local football. parks mm-hmm. and might be lucky to play in front of 100 people and, uh, and sometimes the uh, reserve grade or the New South Wales Cup are, are put in that situation. We went and watched them at Blacktown the other week, but even if they're playing at the stadium, they're lucky if they're playing in front of, you know, a couple of thousand people. Oh, that's, that's right. We, we had fantastic pathways back then. We'd be playing lower grades with Phil Mann and, 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 and Graham Atkins and, you know, showing your wave and uh, Lee Beater and... Um, Michael Cronin, when he came back from injury, would be coming back through the lower grades, and we all trained together. We all wore the same um, uniforms of, uh, in our little clubs within the club. We had Jack Gibson set up little clubs, and we all joined in, and we all knew the exact same moves and the same plays all the way through the club. So if we did get an opportunity to play first grade or reserve grade, we were ready to go. And, and I think that is a great um, factor from back then, isn't it, the, the, that you did get to train with the stars of the game and, and the way that uh, the training was set up. Yeah, we did, didn't we? We had teams and they were split up. You weren't in first grade, reserve grade or 23s. You were all split up into four teams competing against each other with colours. Yeah. I was in Price's crew. Who were you? I think I was with Peter Wynn. Yeah. We used to beat you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and they give awards and we had little club photos as well. And we, we did, you'd even have... Um, uh, I remember Bob O'Reilly would... Uh, run drills as even though they were players they were like coaches and and still they would do the same and they'd take over and help coach the lower halves and five eights and whatever through the club that says a lot for the culture of a club yeah you can see why they were successful during that period yeah well look i hope they still do the same you know but um you know we're talking about the culture of players you know getting to play all together i think it's uh you know i think the fans miss out now like i remember before i was playing great always wanted to play great you know i'd go along and i remember watching des hasler you know in the 23s for for penrith you know and uh you know the fans back in the day we used to get really good following and they they would come and they'd watch the three grades they'd know you when you went to the club and you know i think the fans are missing out just as much as the players that's some of my greatest memories um are of play uh, of no, like name players, but their performances in in lower grades. For example, as a Cogra, when Phil Mann scored a length of the field try off a, a missed penalty kick, and that would he, have been a sight for sore eyes. Oh, <laughs> Phil Mann stretching out. Oh, he was he was stretching out. My brother and I were there as well. He he, he got the ball uh, almost on the dead ball line, did yep. a, a massive arc from under the post, nearly touched the halfway on the edge, and did. Palmed off about three blokes yep. on the way and did this big semicircle and careered and scored under the post again. And, and, and Michael Sorodimi was the St George fullback. Sorrow, yeah. Yeah, and he came he, he came across and he was like the last man. And as Phil Mann approached, he was jumping up and down with his arm up like this, like trying to put Phil, Phil off. And Phil, and Phil just yeah. swatted him out of the way. Uh, the other, uh, other memories of... Um, Eric Groth playing against uh, the Roosters in uh, a reserve grade and uh, running down Ron Coote 
hit him with one of his tackles from behind, right in the like the small of the back. You would have been playing in that game, him. Barnsley, eh? No, no, no. no. <laughs> 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 Sorry, but yeah. fellas, this has been great to share these anecdotes with you because I hope it's given our listeners a feel of what what it meant to be part of the club back in that era. Yeah, no, very very special times and we won't forget it. And so. it's also a big part of what we hope the Blue and Golden Lions can do to enshrine everything that was so amazing about Parramatta through the decades, starting yep. in 47, but through the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. Yeah, no, I love it. Look, I think the um, you know the old boys' days is awesome and I think what you guys do, you know, to rehash your old memories speaking is great. Of, speaking of old boys, being a contentious term around here, where yep. do you stand? Are you okay for old boys or there's other terminology that should be used? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll work that out in the, over the course of the night, mate. <laughs> no, no, thank you very much. Yeah. Cheers, fellas. Thank you, boys. And, John, our next former great Parramatta Reels player is player 394, Jeff Emery, uh, debut in 1981. What a golden time to be making a debut in the first grade, mate. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. So, um, Jeff... Looking back on that era, a common theme that's been coming up has been um, the camaraderie, like right across the grades. What was your experience uh, of playing for the Eels back then? Yeah, it was certainly uh, a real honour uh, to be playing with blokes like Ray Price, uh, Ronnie Hilditch. There's things that stick with you right throughout life about the advice they give you, having Jack as a coach and... You know, some of the things he would say to you sort of stuck with me in business for the rest of my life and made me better outside of the football. It wasn't just all about football, but made you a better person. And that certainly helped me right throughout life. And, of course, back then, the, the way training was organised was it was all three grades training together. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, they had all three, tra- all three grades training together, but they also had... They didn't have it set in grades. They had basically first graders with second graders and third graders or under 23s. And uh, you got to rub shoulders with, uh, you know, Peter Sterling and some, you know, champion footballers. And it just developed a lot of the players. And it was just um, a great structure that Jack Gibson set up back then. Did you have to pinch yourself with the players that you were training alongside of? Or did it just sort of... You know, was it just something that you'd, you'd take in your stride back then? Not think too much about it. Yeah, that was just a great experience, and I certainly looked up to every one of those players. You know, those champion players that I played with. It was just fantastic, and it was a chance of a lifetime. And uh, you're actually part of a uh, trio of brothers that uh, that came through at a similar time. Um, can you uh, refresh our listeners with your names of your brothers? Yeah, uh, there was Alan, Alan Emery, and uh, he was captain of the 23s at the time. He had a serious injury. Uh, David Emery, he had a, another bad injury that ended his career. I was probably the worst player in the Emery family out of five boys, yet I played, I think... Uh, six first grade games in 81 until I broke a hand so basically um, I guess I was a little bit lucky but um, they were certainly unlucky and uh, what school was it that you came through because that was one of the leading uh, leading schools in the schoolboy cup wasn't it yeah it was the uh, Ashcroft High School oh yeah they basically yeah. won every 
competition there was, and and uh, yeah, that was coached by a bloke by the name of Keith Clark, who who coached Parramatta under 23s in 1981. And Keith has passed away now, but he was certainly ahead of his time in coaching, and Jack Gibson certainly recognised that and got him to coach the 23s that year. If you were to sum up Jack Gibson in a few words, what would you say about him? Well, Jack was the uh, just a real champion. Uh, what I learned from Jack over those years that he was at Parramatta uh, helped me with my career outside of police and outside of uh, football. Um, yeah, it was just um, just makes you a better person. And back then, it was all about you know. You had to be good off the field to be good on the field, and if you didn't have a job, your time was limited with Jack. And um, everybody had to have a job back then, and, and if you worked off the field, he certainly gave you a chance on the field. Well, I think that's I, I think there's still something for that to be said about it's, that. Even it's been a recurring motif for us, hasn't it? Age, so. now, we've, we've spoken to Bill Richards, we've spoken to Graham Atkins, very similar philosophies on balancing the playing career with a post-playing career alongside it so very very interesting stuff yeah for sure like um you know the benefit is too by playing football and learning um how to work hard off the field certainly benefit mm -hmm. you back in those days so um just quickly your first grade debut who was that against uh played against uh balmain um, I remember looking at the Big League magazine, I looked at uh, Rod Morris, he was an Australian front row at the time, and Ian Thompson, and basically I just couldn't wait to get out on the field and just give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what I used to do. And I was, I'd just turned 19, and I was pretty young to be playing in the front row, but uh, Ronnie Hilditch and Bob O'Reilly, they put, took me under their wing and... Um, I remember I always used to look at that Rugby League Week or the Big League magazine and look at the players that I play against and I just couldn't wait to get out there yep. and give it to them. Yep. What did it mean to be an Eels junior coming through the ranks and making it to first grade? Was it extra special to have been a junior? Yeah, that's all you can imagine back then. It was all about being a junior and playing with the people you've looked up to all your life. You know what, I reckon that's a good place to leave it because I think we're, yeah, we're, about we're to just get about to here. head into some of the, um, uh, the meals yeah. that are being served, so exactly. we won't keep you from that. Mate, it's, uh, Jeff, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Enjoy the day. Yeah, have a great day, mate. These are, these are great times to you know, be able to catch up with your, your mates from your football days. So, yeah, have a good time. Thank you very much. Cheers. We're going to go take two because this our next guest is very popular, even amongst uh, fellow uh, Eels players. Uh, he doesn't really need too much of an introduction. I'll just say the name Guru, and you know who I'm speaking about. Eric, thanks for having a chat with us. Mate, how are you? Thank oh, you. Really well, mate, really well. Um, and we did have a good chat at your uh, your gig at Toongabby Sports recently. Yes, yes. I can share with you that um, the Neville Glover story... <laughs> was shared with Neville at our uh, our chat here with him at the Leagues Club. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll even be more pleased to know that Neville showed us his dance moves as a result of that. That would have been horrible. <laughs> well, he did. I don't know that he brought the crowd to their feet. Yeah, yeah. But he certainly got a round of applause because people weren't expecting Neville to get up there and, uh, and okay. go through his routine. But it was... Uh, 
Was I don't, it, I, I'm not going to say impressive, but it was. Im, but it still was impressive because his hip wasn't in great order. Okay. So he still he still showed did what he he's, did. He still have that shuffle that he used to do. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he did declare that no one loved dancing as much as he did. Okay. So yeah. Yep. Didn't deny the story. He, he owned it completely. He owned actually. it. Yeah, he completely <laughs> owned it. <laughs> so, uh, Eric, where have you been uh, gigging at lately? Uh, we actually played at the Bayview um, Hotel at um, Woi Woi last night. Um, that's only just started having bands there, but what a lovely venue, great venue. But we're all over the place. September next month, we're just about every weekend we're doing something. So, yeah, since the COVID thing has sort of uh, busted open, it's, uh, it's gotten busy. Yeah, it's good. Well, I'm going to say to the listeners that if, you, if you're interested in going and seeing some good rock and having a party whilst you're seeing a band, uh, Eric Growth and the Gurus is definitely the band to see. Thanks, mate. Uh, we love uh, having a party. Yeah, oh, mate. Uh, fantastic set list. Uh, you know, they're all bangers that you, that you, that you played that night. Uh, mate, what do these reunions mean for you? Um, well, this one probably more than the others just because of the last couple of years we haven't been able to get together and stuff like that. So this is fantastic, mate. It's, um, it's a good roll-up. Good to see the people we haven't seen for a long time. And we stay in touch a fair bit on the phone and that sort of stuff, but it's nothing like getting together and having a few beers and, and telling all those stories. Yeah. Guru, we've spoken to a lot of former greats, former players in our capacity as the post-game function at Jack's Bar and Grill. Two universal constants have come out of our chats with all the different players. One is sort of the reverence that is spoken for Jack Gibson. Yep. And two is just how beloved and how many stories I have about you. Were oh, you always yeah. aware of your legend within the playing group or is that something that's grown as the years have gone by? Um, well, I wasn't sure about the, um, the, the stories. I'm not sure whether they'd be positive or they're, they're negative. They're almost or... always positive, mate. Don't okay. worry. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I to, to be... Yeah, look, look, to be part of what Jack Gibson had, um, I mean, it, it, was, it was slowly brewing. I mean, uh, there's, there's guys here from the uh, 76 and 77 team that, that missed the, um, yeah, the by, opportunity by, by a pubic hair fraction. to win yeah. the comp, you know, which might have changed things for us, you know, sliding doors. Yeah, that's yeah. One, one of the things we've spoken about is that... And, and if they'd won, it might have changed things for us, yeah, you know. Absolutely. We, we might have come second or whatever, but... And, and who knows, maybe Jack Gibson wouldn't have been coach here. Maybe they wouldn't have pursued... Jack Absolutely. Gibson to be the yeah. coach. If they had the uh, success in 77 and 78, uh, 79, it, I mean, it would have changed a, a lot of things. But, and in saying that, in 2009, you know, they unfortunately couldn't, they couldn't get there. They just missed out by pubic hair as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jack Gibson was just, he was just uh, sublime. You know, he, it was nothing smart. I mean, he was a smart operator, but he was a smart human operator. And that, that translated to the footy field, you know. He, what what he lacked in regards to, not, I mean, it's hard it's hard to, it's hard to explain. But he he didn't have a great lead, uh, plan. He left things open to everybody, and, and guys like Peter Sterling and Brett Kenny were just played what was in front of them and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. So it all unfolded nicely, and it all sort of interacted and, and, and bounced off everybody. It was. Uh, well, we've just been chatting with uh, with Jeff Emery. Um, Tim Barnes um, and, uh, the, and, and a couple of other players and something that's also been mentioned was about the how everyone was part of like the whole at the club you know with training together and how the groups were organised um, senior players leading some drills that sort of thing 
it seems what well, it's we're not going to get back to those days ever again. It must have been a, quite a unique time to be part of an organisation and maybe a reason why we were a winning club back in those days. Yeah, it was, it was American influence, and Jack was right into the American side he of things. It was a, a, a gridiron thing where the, the club was together on the Tuesday, and we had teams, and it was all integrated from 23s, reserve grade, everybody, everybody had their team, um, and it was all mixed up. So we, we, we knew the under 23 players, we, we trained with them on a, on, a, on a Tuesday in a team environment. So we had our certain teams. There was Ronnie Hildridge was a captain, Ray Price was a captain of another one. And we all just became friends. You know, we, we knew the under-23s players. We knew the reserve grade players, we, all that sort of stuff. And we were all those players beforehand anyway, and they were coming up. And so I had to have that communion-type um, training thing was, was just a, a stroke of genius. Yeah. And so many local products as well at yeah. the same time as well. You know, or, or players that just aspired to be wearing the blue and gold. That's, yes. Yeah. You know, that seems like that was another feature, wasn't it, with, with talking to the players. Yeah. Now, Guru, you're one of the most dominant two of the forces on the field. Your son was uh, no joke himself as well, plenty physical there. Is that just genetics or is there a family secret you've been holding out for generations? No, I, well, it's, I think it's genetics. So, um, I mean, the game had changed when he started playing. I mean, his, his work rate was 50 times what my work rate was. The game, he had to take the tough runs off the, off the line and he, he did 20, 20 to 25 hit-ups a game and bits and pieces like that. So the game had changed and he was, I used to marvel at the way that he would, how tough he was and the things he did and, and stuff. And, and as I said, the game had changed at that point there. But I was very proud of what he, what he did and what he achieved. With He went to the Roosters, he left Parramatta. He was a bit... Like me, he was sort of, yeah, he, he was all over well, the place was in, a little bit. You mentioned the, the, the 70s teams, but also 2009 was in a whisker of breaking yeah. the drought there, and he was a big part of that team as well. Yeah, absolutely. And they were, they were a little bit unlucky in the end. Um, and he, he had a great game in the grand final. He did, he did. Him, uh, I was there. Him and, well. him and Fui were the two best on field yeah, yeah. for the Parramatta Reels. Yeah, so, uh, mate, we appreciate you spending a bit of your precious time here oh, today well. with us. Hopefully, the Eels can... <laughs> turn things around on uh, last week's form and get a win for you all. They're, they're up and down a bit, aren't they? they are. I mean, they, they have been over the last few years, but they can beat Melbourne, they can beat Yeah, Penrith. at their best, they're yeah, as good as the best, best they are but the, best. the problem is, is there's a big difference. Yes. Yeah. If they, if we get a bit of luck. I mean, today we, we should win the game, but if we get a bit of luck against Melbourne and Penrith and those sort of guys in the right semi-finals and stuff, they, they, could, they could go on and win it, definitely. It's all that mindset, it really, it seems yeah, like it, it is, because, you know, we saw last week they weren't in the game from the opening set of six, I, so... Um, I suppose that's a, a good way to finish off is, what was your mindset for the big games, being part of such a great team, being such a great player individually? Uh, mate, I, it's hard to go back and think about the mindset. I, I used to get pretty nervous before a game and all that sort of stuff, and then I'd see guys like Brett Kenny, um, yeah, singing Michael Jackson songs and... <laughs> All that sort of stuff. So he, I mean, my nervousness then would would reduce because I'd look at him and he wasn't taking it serious. And he'd see someone like Ray Price, he had this warrior look on his face, ready to go to work and all that sort of stuff. And then Peter Sterling would lead us out, and he'd turn around before he ran out. He'd say, "Let's go to work." And Brett Kenny would look at me, and goes, "Work? Aren't we playing? Aren't we playing a game?" <laughs> yeah. It was all, yeah, it was all all over. The, it was hard for me to have a mindset. The mindset was to get over the nervousness yeah. and and just sort of 
yeah, get get into the game a little bit. Yeah. Well, that perfectly encapsulates what was so special about that team, doesn't it? Just the, in the prelude to a big game, the different levels of energy and the different players and what yeah. they brought. So well, everyone's so different and individual, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, mate, uh, thank you so much for uh, spending pleasure. this time with us. Enjoy your day. Good on you. Thank you. And uh, we'll catch you soon. Thanks, guys. See you later, Guru. Well, it's a real honour because our next guest gave us the name for our website in that his tackle, first introduced by Ovo Lingard, but then really made famous by Ray Price mm-hmm. as the inspiration for our website name, the Cumberland Throw. Ray, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Mate, one thing that we've just been talking to a lot of players about that played in the era that you were playing was the camaraderie that existed within the team and that that real whole club ethos that um, Jack Gibson especially was able to create within the club. What was your take on uh, what it was like being involved in a club like that? Mate, you played in a side that everyone tried. Um we used to consistently do the same thing week in and week out. The game's not like that today. Yeah, yeah. It's crap. Well, just going on that, we, we, uh, when I was just over there at your table, you said you love proven big blokes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Notice I've just cleaned that up a little bit. but That, that was only because I was sitting next to Lou Buda. <laughs> But was that a, an attitude that you brought to the game? Because really, in terms of the size of players, you, you know, there's halfbacks these days that are the size that you played at. So, you know, you weren't one. You weren't one of the smallest blokes out in the field, but you were. You were obviously one of the hardest men that played the game. Uh, I just enjoyed playing. I hated losing, and if I was. Um being let down by one of your, your mates, you used to just give them a little bit of a bagging and they'd pick their game up. So, mate, look, football's a neat, very easy game, I think. Well, you just mentioned you hated losing. Do you think there's too many players these days that it doesn't, doesn't bother them, that they've just lost a game? Well, I think the game has changed a hell of a lot. I'd I don't believe it's rugby league being played out there. It, you know, like, how hard is it to keep trying? Yeah. But yeah. like you said, it's a simple proposition, isn't it? You know? Well, if you enjoy losing, <laughs> go and play for another club. Yeah. So just taking back to, to your time within the club, so many honours that were bestowed upon you uh, lots of achievements. Is there any one thing that stands out for you above everything else? My winning premierships was a good one. Yeah. Um, I quite enjoyed that. And, and you could see that everyone in the side enjoyed it too. So, yeah, I, I think if you get the prize at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And, you know, when you... I mean, we're looking at an event like this with lots of former Parramatta players, but it's, there's a very small group that can actually say that they won a premiership playing for Parramatta. Well, it's like they refuse to win or to want to win the uh, team of today because, you know, like we've offered our help to them, but we're not good enough. So what they're doing is not good enough. 
what they've got to do is pull their heads out of their bum and achieve something. So looking back at, again, back at uh, when you were playing, what, who, was the, who was the hardest bloke, apart from yourself, obviously, who was the man who also most encapsulated that winning desire? Well, you know, you look at people like Tommy Donegas, Terry Randall. Mate, Igor was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He was the toughest bastard I ever played against. Well, obviously, we, we also cast our minds back to um, your stoush with Tommy Radonikus. Yeah, the little bastard bit me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, was, he was famously on uh, cover of Rugby League Week, wasn't he, that he was the fandom biter back then? Was that, that was Tommy, wasn't it? Tommy would do anything to win, and, and that's what you need to do. Yeah. I don't mean you have to buy people, but no. there was nothing that Tommy wouldn't do to win the game. Yeah. So, looking back then at those premierships, is it the first one that's the most special to you? No, the last one. Last one? Because I was captain of that one. Uh, okay. So, I, I bet you didn't think that that was going to be the last time that the Eels were holding a premiership trophy aloft. No, no you're right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving to now... We've got an event like this. What's the best thing about an event like this, Ray? Well, not only playing with the people that you're greeting and talking with and that, but, you know, you meet them all the time. And that's why I come to these functions, because the guys I played with are here also. Yeah, yeah. And now, just finally, we named our website The Cumberland Throw because we wanted something that was uniquely Parramatta and that um, you know didn't necessarily mean anything to any other club but meant something here it was a real weapon in your game was it designed to hurt? Yeah it was designed to hurt the big fella you know like the big fella used to put his arm out to fend me off and whooshka (laughs) but you know I was the only one that was it was an illegal tackle when I did it, yeah. but it was all right when someone else did it. Ah, okay. So, yeah, they're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if there's one thing that we know about Ray Price, it's that you don't mince words. No, You're always shooter. a straight shooter with your opinions. Mate, we really appreciate you spending your time with us. We'll let you get back with your mates. But, um, yeah, thanks go, for having go a Go enjoy that beer, mate. mate. a pleasure. If you can't talk the truth, don't talk at all. Exactly. <laughs> thanks, Pricey. Thank you. Well, like I said before, Sixies, no real sort of plan or rhythm to how we did that, but, geez, it was something special. Just being able to sit there, talk footy, talk some special moments from the old Parramatta Stadium with some of the guys that might not be, you know, considered legends by the modern game, but important parts of the Parramatta Eagles' history. Well, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that Bill Richards was trying to get across was that if you've been a part of the Eels' um, graded lineup, that you are part of the Blue and Gold Alliance. And all of those blokes had a great story to tell about their time involved with the Parramatta Eels. It was an absolute pleasure being able to speak to them. And you know what? Just seeing the vibe in the room, it was it was so positive. Yeah. I, you almost felt like it was carried over into the game when you could see them walking around the field uh, before the first grade game and and getting a, a, a rousing cheer 
from supporters as they made their way around the ground. And, you know, I know Pricey said it as well, and it, it was an, like you sort of leaned into there. It was a sentiment echoed by pretty much everyone we spoke to. It was just so good to be able to catch up, have a feed, have a beer with all these great blokes, all these great mates from a time where the not just the Paramount Reels, but the entirety of Rugby League was so much more interconnected from the top to the bottom when it came to a given club. Yeah, and I, I think it's especially so when money wasn't as big uh, part of the game for the, certainly uh, for those players that we spoke to today, they were from an era where it, you had to have a second job. And these these players, they loved playing the game. They loved playing for the Parramatta Reels. You, you had players that came, came up through the ranks in the local district. And as Graham Atkins said, you know, just the being able to get that Eels jersey, that really meant something to them. And, you know, part of me, you know, the nerdy side of me feels a bit like Thanos collecting the Infinity Stones when it comes to player interviews. We got one of the big ones just there with Pricey, a notorious fencer, of course, Ray Price. You know, he, he do, certainly doesn't tell tell it as it is. Uh, but, yeah, Price, Pricey, the straightest shooter you ever find. And, you know, you don't always agree with his opinions, but you can respect him for, you know, telling you as it is. Uh, it just feels like for TCT, you know, the, the, the white whale, the one that's left out there is uh, a certain halfback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I thought it was funny when uh, we finished talking, and uh, I shared with Pricey the uh, one of the times that I spoke with him quite informally, and uh, when I relayed his his final statement uh, to me, and he joined in <laughs> saying it. So not so much. I don't think it was so much that he remembered saying it to me, but uh, it it was an indication of <laughs> that that was Ray Price who he is. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, a funny moment that I was able to share with him uh, back about seven or eight years ago, and um, I, I'm glad that it um, if it didn't if it didn't trigger his memory, at least when uh, when we were chatting, he uh, he he certainly came up with the same line that yeah. he said to me back then, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so that was good, and and you know, being able to to get those sort of candid comments uh, from players like that yes it's great to be able to share some of the stuff that we've we've been able to share uh with you today but also for us it's a terrific honor just to be able to chat with these blokes even away from uh the microphone and uh there are a number of other players that came over and 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 said a quick g'day um as i'm sure everyone can uh imagine that when you've got a day where there's 150 players there and players are are spending time catching up with each other. We try to be as unobtrusive as possible. We were tucked away in a corner, so we weren't going to be interrupting players. So um, we we grabbed the chats that we could, and uh, hopefully in uh, future player reunions, we can we can bring a few more insights back to you. And uh, and and also, we'd like to extend our sympathies to uh, David Lydiard, who uh, lost his father last week and uh he was there at, at at the reunion and um you know it was a it was a bit of a a bittersweet sort of day i think for david mm-hmm. uh being there last week but um we send our our sympathies to to him and to his family on the passing of his father and, and in a way it reinforces the importance of that support network <clears throat> that is the blue and gold alliance so you know great as you said bittersweet for for dave but it was great that he had his friends and compatriots to fall back upon to share the grief with. Yeah, and that was a message that was echoed 
by uh, Bill Richards uh, talking uh, just near the start of the function about how important it is to stay connected and to reach out to each other and support each other during times where, you know, people might not be uh, enjoying the best of times in their life and and just, just keeping that connection. And all of those blokes in there have that connection. And, you know, in the future it'll include the ladies that are playing for the uh, NRLW as well. But, um, yeah, just keeping that connection alive is really important for them. Of course, as Bill Richards and the committee members of the Blue and Gold Alliance continue to grow and and strengthen this fantastic support group and network, uh, TCT is going to be helping them in every way we can and, you know, trying to stay connected with them because this is, as we've spoken about 60s, this is so much of everything really that makes up the Parramatta Reels, the history, the the characters, the individuals, the stories. We we want that immortalised, you know, whether it's the greats of the 80s or some of the guys that laid the way and blazed the path through the 50s and 60s and 70s. So yeah. it, it all Absolutely. needs to be preserved. These people need to be given support. And, you know, like we said, Bill Richards is off to a fantastic start with the Blue and Gold Lions. Yeah, absolutely. So um, thanks for listening, everyone, to that uh, special podcast. And uh, we'll be bringing you uh, also a, um, a photo gallery of the day. So stand by to, uh, to have a bit of a look at that as well. As always, thanks for stopping by. Hope you enjoyed the special edition of the tip sheet. And we'll catch you very shortly uh, as we go break down all the NRL news from the week that was.